Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, good morning. I love this connection. Let's just let it happen for another hour. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm down. I'm down. We're eager. All right. If you guys can all take your seats. And uh, there's going to be opportunity to also connect with one another um, throughout our talk and our word. And so I'm just excited about just the eagerness to, to just to speak and connect with one another. LBCF, I just want to start by saying I love you just because I feel very, I feel compelled to say that. <laughs> um, and thank you. And good morning. My name is Alvia. If, if you're new, visiting, if you're tuning in for the first time online, uh, my name is Alvia, and I'm part of the teaching team here. And my wife, Allie, and I also lead the, the high school ministry uh, here at LBCF. So good to be here with you today. And it's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, if if I mean, churches around the world, if they follow uh, primary uh, church lectionaries, they most many of them around the world are talking about this, this story. They're engaging with the story of Pentecost. And when I think of Pentecost, it, it, it brings up all kinds of things, all kinds of conversations and debates that I've had in the past. Um, it's, a, it's a heavy one. It's a fun one. It's wild. And um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. So before I, I jump in, though, I wanted, I wanted to start a little differently today um, and, and, and start with a, a pause. Uh, I'd like for all of us to just pause for a second and... Um, just meditate on the presence of God, whatever that means for you this morning. We often in songs, we pray, uh, we pray, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come. You're invited here. You're welcome here. And I want to declare this morning, I want us to start on a foot that understands that God is fully present here today already. Not only is he present here, if you're tuning in online, his presence is absolutely full. He's absolutely involved in your life right now. And he wants to speak things. And for some of you, for some of you, you might feel his presence physically. It might be this warmth or tingling in your fingers or however you feel the presence of God. And for others, it may be a logical, just the thought, just a reality where you're just telling yourself, I know that God is here. And so I'm going to pray. We'll pause for a moment and then we'll jump right in. Lord, I, uh, Lord, I, I pray for just your spirit to bring confidence. And I also uh, help us to see. I request uh, just eyes to see you and feel you. Ears to hear your voice in new ways. And allow us to be aware of your presence, your full 100% presence here in Long Beach, here on this patio, and each of our homes here um, for those, of the, those that are tuning in. 
And your presence, Lord, right now acts as a glue between those who are online and each one of us here. Uh, We're connected. We feel you and we know you and we're connected in you and we are one body. And that's the conversation that you're inviting us to have today. And so, Lord, allow us to hear your, your, your voice, feel your presence, and hear your words for us as individually and both um, and as a community as well. Amen. Amen. All right, so, you know, it, we don't have to far, look very far to recognize that the world is not quite as it should be. Not all things are as, as they should be. And I'm not going to dive too much into this thought, but just you, we can flick on the TV and, and you know, we, we hear about wars happening and, and innocent people dying, children dying. You know, right now in, in Israel and Palestine, there's conflict. And then, you know, internationally speaking, that's a truth. But even with our city, uh, each one of us here, we have different things that our hearts cry out for, different causes and things we care about. And all it takes is a drive through our city, and we start to see things that might break our hearts. And then I know even individually, as an individual, I, I, I might have, you know, some great days and days of joy where I'm wearing a smile. And I, but the older I get, the more I've come to know that just at, you know, at a moment's notice, things can really unravel for me. And um, I can be facing challenges that are far greater than, than I can handle. And, uh, and my friends, too, sometimes when they connect with me uh, and they, they share their challenges and they ask for my advice, oftentimes I have no idea where to start. And so the conversation that I'd like for us to have today, the question really at hand is, well, for us as a community of believers, how do we, how do we ought to interact with this with the world around us? How do we interact with, the, with, with our environment and with one another, just knowing of just the challenges that we face? Death and, and illness and stress and anxiety and anger and disagreement and, and, and co- all, just all kinds of conflicts that we face. How do we exist as Long Beach Christian Fellowship with one another? And I know that the answer to this question is, is quite broad. Um, there's many ways to answer that question. However, I, I hope that uh, the story of Pentecost uh, will, will kind of point us in a direction or inspire us, inspire us in, in a specific way. I want to say one other thing. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray. And when he did, you know, the Lord's Prayer, he said to, you know, to start by acknowledging that the Lord is the Father in heaven is holy. His name is holy, set apart from all other, all other things that demand our attention. And then the second thing he says is sort of a vision. He says, pray that his kingdom would come here on earth just as it is in heaven. And that right there, that vision, I believe, is part of God's vision, his mission from day one. It's that heaven would, would fully exist here. And it's not that we're not to wait to cross into heaven one day. I, I'm not saying that that's not a reality. But what I am saying is there is a se- there's a separate vision that Jesus has for each one of us in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our city, where heaven exists here just as it is. The, the reign of God and everything that Jesus stands for exists here fully in Long Beach. I know the Garden Church, they, for a season they had these coffee mugs they were giving out, and it said, uh, let your kingdom come, your will be done in Long Beach, just as it is in heaven. And I think that's a vision for us. Uh, So let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. 
And so to answer that question, yeah, how if, the, if that really is a possibility and a reality for heaven to exist fully here in Long Beach, and we as a community of believers are to be a part of that, like how do we even get started? How do we, you know, how do we join in with that sort of work? And a little bit of context about Acts 2. Uh, well, you know, we often start the, the, we, we, the gospel that we, we share is often, you know, it starts with the, the birth of Christ, and we often will end it at crucifixion or, or at the resurrection. And absolutely, these, these truths are part of the gospel story. Um, however, ascension is absolutely significant. And so uh, we're going to pick up the story right, uh, right after um, a time when Jesus, after he resurrected, he spent 40 days just cruising around, appearing to different disciples. And, and they, the disciples and believers were experiencing signs and wonders during these 40 days. And then all of a sudden he was there with, with uh, some of the believers and then he ascended to heaven. And the reason why I'm pointing this out and the reason why I think it's significant is because Jesus in the flesh, he resurrected in the flesh. And then when he ascended, now we have flesh. We have earth living alive in heaven. And I think that's a very significant point. And then the gospel story also takes us through dissension or the sending of the spirit, Pentecost, in which something of heaven, the spirit of heaven, the spirit of God, now comes to earth and dwells within each one of us and is now present in a, in a new way, in a different way. And we have heaven on earth. And it's like a key and open door to, an, to the answer of our question here. And so this is the story of Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2, we're going to read through verse 1 through 12. The disciples and community of believers at the time, they were just hanging out. And before Jesus... Uh, Jesus, before he ascended, he said, hey, hang tight in Jerusalem until I actually send the helper, send my spirit to, to fill each one of you. And so they're just hanging out, and that's what's happening here. And then when the day of Pentecost came, verse 1, they were all together in one place at a home. And suddenly, a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Every, they're indoors, every, every room where they were sitting. Verse 3, they saw that what seemed then to be tongues of fire, wild stuff, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. So just to picture this, we have this community of believers. They're hanging out, and really they're not really doing much of anything. They may be praying with one another, talking Scripture, talking about the Torah with one another. But they're staying put because Jesus told some of them to stay put. And they're hanging out in this house, and all of a sudden they start to feel this wind. Or, or I imagine they feel it, but they hear, certainly hear wind. Last night I was hanging out, my, my wife and I were at home, and we heard commotion going out outside. And the first reaction we had was, what is that noise? And we started opening our blinds and trying to look out of our house, trying to figure out what the noise is. And it was a little disorienting, and then all of a sudden we realized, oh, our neighbors are having a party. Now these guys are, are chilling in, their, in this house, and all of a sudden they feel and hear this wind. And it's, it's rushing, it's violent, and I'm sure, I'm certain that they had no idea what was going on. They were tripping out, going, man, 
What is that sound? Do you hear it too? I do, and I'm sure some of them went to look out the window, you know, They went upstairs, downstairs, looked in different corners of the household, trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden they look at each other and we've got these like balls of flames, fires entering the the room, these tongues of fire, and they rest on each one of their, their, their heads. And, and I believe at this point, they're probably still confused, maybe even more dazzled. Can you picture it? And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, the Spirit came and they filled them. And I think this was the point where the believers, uh, the Jews that were in the room, they, they, they recognized that something godly was happening. So maybe there was a sense of like, oh, okay, I, this, is, this is something new. I don't know what this is, but God is doing something and I feel it. I think they were aware that they were being filled with the Spirit. And so what did they, what did they do? They started to, to speak. In different languages. And I know it says tongues in the NIV. Um, however, uh, you know, you can also translate tongues to, to different languages. And so the question is, well, why? Why, why were they speaking different languages? And I want to just for a second, I just want to remind us about the, the vision that I was talking about, about God's mission of bringing heaven to earth and every single corner of earth to every single nation. And so I think that the spirit was just on about this work of the kingdom that was already planned, already at hand, already in process. And these guys just happen to be at the right place at the right time. And I actually think the Holy Spirit found them at the most opportune and convenient time. Maybe the Holy Spirit's like, how do I not spend so much gas money spreading the gospel and filling each person one by one? And so what was happening in Jerusalem at the time was a festival. I know, bad joke, bad joke. But... A festival, um, and and this festival, Jews from all over the world would uh, would come to Jerusalem, festival of 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 the harvest or wheat. And so, staying in there, let's pick it up at verse five. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. I picture these guys, these people, maybe even hundreds, thousands of people walking by this house and they're hearing sounds and they're hearing all of these voices coming out of a house. They didn't have uh, noise buffering windows, perhaps. And they heard this and they stopped. So the crowd came together in bewilderment because one, um, each one heard their own language being spoken. And so if you picture the languages that I'm somewhat familiar with, German, Spanish, English, I know a little bit of Japanese, and I just, I know that if I was walking by a house and I saw all sorts, I've heard all sorts of people screaming out and all, each one of these languages that I've heard, I would probably stop and go, what is going on? And I think that's what these people are doing. And so verse seven, they were utterly amazed and they asked, wait a minute, aren't these people, the people in this house, aren't they all, um, all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it? that each one of us are hearing our own language. Verse 9, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, near Cyrene, believers from all over the world, in Jerusalem, hearing their own language spoken. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. 
amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And, and it may not be on the slide, but verse 13, some of them, most of them are probably perplexed and saying, well, what does this mean? They're hearing the wonders of God. Verse 13, it talks about how some of them said, well, I think some, they, they're drunk. They're obviously got to be drunk. They've been drinking too much wine. And so the Holy Spirit simply came over these believers and, and, and they started speaking in different languages. And then it was super instrumental. It was incredibly instrumental because what was going to happen next was these Jewish believers from all over the world were hearing, after hearing the wonders of God and the, and the gospel being preached, were now going to go home and take the gospel message and the wonders of God back to their own neighborhoods and their own communities. I believe that God is absolutely concerned with every people group, every single person, every type of person, every nation. And this has been a part of uh, the promise, the covenant that, that, that God gave to, to Abraham. Uh, he said that every nation will be blessed through, through you, Abraham. And so this is definitely the mission, and I think this, what happens here on Pentecost is just a part of the mission. And so engaging with the story Pentecost over the years, I've gotten in so many debates about whether or not tongues was a thing. And whether or not I needed to have the gift of praying in tongues in order to do the work of God. Um... And I've also had debates with other communities and conversations on whether or not, you know, it's a qualification or a next level of Christianity if I do ever receive this gift of tongues. And I um, am not trying to discount the gift of tongues. However, what I do want to point out is that I believe the alluring, although the, the wind is, is magical and alluring, and the, and the sounds, um, I think it's getting too hot, so I can't see my notes, so maybe I'm just going to leave my notes. Is that all right? <laughs> um, the sounds, definitely alluring. The flames, I'm intrigued by that. And tongues is absolutely a valuable conversation. And what, 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 did, what did Luke mean by, by talking about the tongues? But I think that what is the most significant part of this story are two things. Simply that the Holy Spirit enabled and that the community of believers were willing to respond. And I think that's all that happened here. The believers who uh, were there at this house, they did nothing to conjure up this moment. They, they weren't at an all-night prayer visual to, to, to call down the Spirit. They weren't trying to trigger a flooding of the Holy Spirit. All they were doing was staying put because that's what Jesus asked them to do. Stay put in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit came, and they still were confused. They didn't know what to do and how to respond. And so when they were filled, they then had to make a choice whether or not to behave like the world would just, hey, don't make too much noise, don't act weird, don't stand out, or to simply speak out and just kind of go with it. And I think that is one of the most significant parts of the story of Pentecost is that, that the believers, they were just willing to respond. This morning, I just hanging out in the parking lot, I was trying to envision what LBCF would, uh, would look like if we were a church that just uh, would, would learn to respond 
uh, not just learn to respond, but a church that was filled with a whole lot of response with the Holy Spirit. And the word popped in my mind, uh, just try. What, if, what would we look like if we were a church that just tries? And this week, I, uh, I connected with a number of uh, my friends here, LBCF, Pastor Ryan and, and Matt Cullen, and I had several different conversations um, about this story. And, and I shared with them, you know, each one of, I had three different conversations, and each, uh, with each of them I shared, I shared that the uh, one core value of mine is this, is this word audacity. And I just really love audacious people. And while I don't feel like I am the most audacious person, um, I, I still, when I see people acting audaciously, it really excites me and it lights my heart. And I remember back when I was in middle school or high school and I was in youth group, um, there was a, a young man named Daniel Waddell. And, and any time we were in church together, our youth group would go to a, a winter retreat or mountain retreat um, or just be in church on Sunday. Everybody would stay put. And everybody was behaving themselves just as we thought we should. And if we felt compelled, we'd, we'd raise our hands, you know. And Daniel Waddell, anytime there's worship, he would get out of his seat. He would probably wait like five, ten minutes and feel compelled. And he would just start dancing up and down the aisle. Nobody would join him. And he was the guy in our youth group that was the weird guy. And for me, I, I thought he was weird too. Still this day, it's kind of like, man, it's kind of a weird guy. But I totally valued his audacity. There was some sort of joy that I got from watching him just like feeling the the presence of the spirit and dancing up and down the aisle. And I believe also the disciples and the apostles who were there in Jerusalem when Pentecost happened, they just were feeling things and hearing things. And they had a choice of whether or not to speak out the wonders of God. They probably were speaking going, wait a minute. The, what's coming out of my mouth is sounding different than, than what I'm thinking I'm saying. And they still went with it, even though thousands of people started to gather and probably thought they're weird. And some of them called them drunk. They decided to act audaciously. And so we got in this debate, Matt, uh, Ryan, in each of these conversations, I had these three different conversations of what is, what, how do you define audacity? And we had a whole lot of fun talking about whether or not audacity is different than boldness. And, and Pastor Ryan presented this idea of, well, boldness kind of has this idea of, boldness gives us the idea of like needing to muster up enough courage to go and be bold. But audacity might be a little bit different. And then we also landed on this idea of perhaps audacity is only possible in relationship and in community. And we jogged this idea of whether or not uh, it's possible to be audacious with nobody else present. And it's a fun thought to think about, fun, 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 fun uh, pra- exercise to, to, to run through. Um, Rob, however, he came up with the best definition for audacity. And, and he said that audacity is boldness in the face of conformity. It's boldness in the face of conformity. You can be bold and not necessarily be audacious. But you can't, and you can be audacious, um, and however, it might not require any sort of self-boldness. But both are very, very similar. However, we're called, Paul calls, writes in, in Romans 12, to, to no longer be conformed to the ways of this world. And I think the reality is, there is a way that the world teaches us to behave, as a community of believers, we, 
learn to behave in certain ways. And one of the ways that I really want to attack this morning is we only want to step out and do things when we feel like we know how to do the things. We're so afraid of failure. And we're so afraid of, of stepping out and giving things a shot. I've thought about dancing with Daniel Waddell, and I didn't because I felt like I didn't have good dance moves. And I didn't want people to laugh at me, too. Daniel Waddell, he didn't care about what his dance moves were, what, how strong his skill. And so the thing that I want to declare, the truth that I want to declare today, and I want to, it's a reminder that whenever we operate as a church and we, we're with one another and we're telling each other encouragements or we're praying for healing or praying for one another or we're, we're mourning with one another, the success of anything that we do for the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with our ability. It has nothing to do with knowing the right formulas. And same with the disciples that were here at, in Jerusalem in the Pentecost story. The success of whether or not their words were going to land with these people who didn't know their language had nothing to do with whether or not they had the right skills, wisdom, experiences to then practice speaking in tongues without a translator there. They just went for it. Because the success of what they were doing was completely up to the Holy Spirit. Key word in this story, the Holy Spirit filled them and enabled them. It filled them and enabled them. So church, we have the permission to act audaciously and to let go of the need to know how. To let go of the need to know how. When we think about this vision of heaven on earth in Long Beach, what do we see and what do we get in our minds? And God calls us and invites us to be a part of that. And in fact, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is present everywhere you guys, each one of us here and online, everywhere we go. And in order for this, the kingdom to manifest and, and become present, you know, oftentimes it, it happens when we just take a step out, take a step forward and just try. And we just try. So we have permission to act audaciously and to let go of the need to know how. I have two stories that I want to share um, just about experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and we'll close on this. Uh, first story, uh, years ago, I was involved with the, the, the youth ministry here, um, and I took a break for a while, and, I'm, and, and Allie and I are back doing youth ministry again. However, during that season, I was doing ministry here with Long Beach Christian Fellowship and then also at the Garden and, and another church called The Well. And so we would have these youth events going on here with youth from all over the city. And it was an outreaching ministry that we had started. And so we met students on the street and, you know, in certain neighborhoods. And we would just literally drive through the neighborhood to go find them and, and connect with them. And there's one student named Kijan that we had. And he became involved with almost everything that we did. And he was one of those students that in order, you know, for him to go to camp, he, I could have picked him up and taken to camp and, and he, his home life just wasn't very solid. Um, and so I remember knocking on his, his door to try to connect with his mom and I handed her papers and said, hey, I want to take Kijan to camp. Can, you, can he go to camp? And she said, yeah, sure. I just need you to sign here. And she signed. And, and so I got to take Kijan to camp for one week. I had him for one week. And so we took him to the mountains, and we had, you know, a bunch of other students there. And Kijan had the opportunity to learn how to swim for the very first time at camp. And, and so we had volunteers to teach students how to, how to swim. And, and so first day of camp, he signed up for, so I want to learn how to swim. And he went to go swim. And later that day, I caught up with Kijan. Kijan, how was it? 
Oh, dude, it was so fun. Oh, my ears are plugged, though. Oh, yeah, you got to shake the ear out. And I remember thinking, man, I don't know if he knows how to shake ear out of his ear, you know, or like do this whole, it's his first time swimming. But he had a whole lot of fun. And the next day he came to me and said, man, my ear's still plugged, man. My, and it hurts. It hurts now. Man, I think you might have an ear infection starting. And so I just thought, well, I heard somebody talking about healing prayer, <laughs> so I'm going to go for it. Uh, uh, hey, Kijan, can I pray for you? I can pray for you. It might help. No, man. Nah, that's weird. All right, cool. No problem. Next day, his ear still hurt. So I called the nurse, and the nurse gave him Tylenol. And then I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. And the last day of camp, I think day six, maybe night six, we, we had just done our last worship event. We got back to the cabins. I was his cabin leader. I told the guys, hey, you guys can stay up as long as you want, um, but just don't make too much noise. It's the last night. Have fun. You know, and then all of a sudden I heard from the corner of the room, Kijan goes, Alvia, man, my ear hurts so bad. And instantly I thought, man, I'm responsible for this ear infection. And I was, I just, I thought, man, I'm afraid that he's got a full blown ear infection, needs antibiotics, all the things that we think when we're hanging with youth. And so I asked Kijan again, I said, Hey, Kijan, I'm going to call the nurse for you. You sound, you seem like you're really in pain. Would that be good? And I called the nurse and the nurse says, Hey, Alvia, I'm tending to other students. I'll be there an hour. Um, just hang, hang with him and be with him. Okay, okay, Kijan, hey, nurse is going to be here in an hour, um, but I can pray for you if you want me to pray for you. All right, man, anything, man, anything. Okay. And just about three weeks before, I've never really done this, three weeks prior to this event, uh, I heard a preacher, sort of a, a holy roller kind of preacher, who, who gave uh, the garden church the steps to praying for healing. And part of it was asking him what level number, uh, what level, uh, between one through 10, what was your pain level? And so I did that very thing. Kijan, I want you to mark your level of pain at 10, okay? I'm going to pray for you, uh, and I'm just going to command the pain to leave. And that's going to seem really weird, Kijan, but I'm just going to do it, and we'll see if something happens. And so I did. I said, Kijan, uh, right now, in the name of Jesus, when I snap my finger, all pain, I command you to leave, feeling totally awkward about this whole thing. And all of a sudden, I look at Kijan. I say, Kijan, what's your pain level now? And he goes, my ear is popping. My ear is popping. And I'm like, really? <laughs> all right, let's try this again, man. So I pray again. What's your pain level? Oh, it's almost gone, but it's popping, man. Pray again. Any more pain? No. I said no. And I remember at that moment, I didn't believe him at all. I just thought this was a weird kid, you know, like just, just joshing me. And it was even more awkward when I had to call the nurse. And I said, hey, nurse, you know, I didn't say, hey, no, nurse. I said, hello, um, little, that student that I asked you to come because he had an ear infection, uh, we don't need you to come anymore. She goes, really? She's had, he's had an ear infection for four days now. Are you sure? Yeah, he's got no more pain. Oh, really? What? I, to be honest, I prayed with him, and he says he's got no more pain, you know. And the reason why I share this story, the next day in this parking lot, actually, uh, I caught up with Kijan. We drove back to church, and I said, Kijan, how's your ear? Totally expecting him to go, oh, yeah, it's still bothering me. And then I had my plan was like, great, let's get you the doctor. Let's get this taken care of. And Kijan said, no, it's completely better. It's been fine ever since. And the reason why I share this story is because I remember – 
that the whole process, being at church, learning about how to pray, and then going, oh my gosh, the student's in pain, and I don't know what to do, and I'm in the mountains, and so I'm just going to pray. And so I tried out the steps. However, I believe that the healing had nothing to do with the formulas that were, I was given. It had nothing to do whether or not I had the right words uh, or knew the right order to say things. I think it, was, it had everything to do with the Spirit enabling me in the moment, enabling, giving me the authority to pray. And, I had, and whatever I said to Kijan, he would have, he would have been healed. And so, church, what does it look like for us to be a church that tries and goes for it? And let's go of knowing how. Um, my, my second story is a shorter story, and it happened here in the bathroom. And um, I, I, I experience a lot of anxiety, um, and I, I battle anxiety. And, and there's been days here on Sunday mornings where I've been filled with anxiety, and I'll go up to Pastor Barb, and I'll say, Barb, I can't even talk right now. And she'll pray, and she'll do, like, some crazy exercise just leading me through understanding what the anxiety is from. And, and I, I, sometimes I'd feel better, sometimes I won't. And one particular Sunday, I couldn't sit in my chair anymore. And so I just started pacing in the, in the lobby here. And I decided, okay, well, I need something to do. I'm going to go pee. <laughs> and so I go in the pee in this, this lobby, and I'm peeing there, you know. Right when I start peeing, uh, is it jo- Vermil's son? Josh? Mark? Mark. Mark walks in. And he starts peeing next to me in the urinal next to me. And you know how it, it is for us guys when you pee at urinal. It's like, do you talk? Do you not talk? You know? And I'm an introvert, surprisingly. And so I, I don't talk. <laughs> I respect your space. You respect mine. And Mark just breaks the silence. Sup, Alvia? And I'm feeling so crummy. Like, you know, I can't even, I just, I just can't even hold myself together. Hey, man. He goes, dude, you changed my life. I, the anxiety, a lot of the anxiety I have, I, I just feel like I'm not enough often. I feel like the, when I speak, I can't speak. And it's like, it's ridiculous. And so anyways, I'm feeling this anxiety and I'm peeing and he's peeing and he's turns, what's up, Alvia? Man, you changed my life. And I'm like, oh, really? You know, I'm looking at him, and he goes, yeah, man. And I'm thinking again, just like the prayer, the healing prayer. Yeah, right. And he looks at me. He's like, yeah, man, dude, three months ago you taught, man, and you said this. And I'm like, oh, I think maybe he said, like, oh, you really encouraged me. I was like, oh, great, man. I'm really excited. It's a long urination process here. But anyway, somehow in this process, you know, this this moment, he turns to me, and he, he says, the, he quotes the very words that I said, and I, I can't even remember what it was, but he's like, you said these words, and it's like changed my life. And I want you to know that you are, you, you have a gift to teach, and, and I just really appreciate who you are. And he had no idea what was happening, but that anxiety just flooded out of my body. It was a supernatural experience. I walked right back into church just ready to worship, ready to be with all of you, ready to be together in our community. And in my anxiety, I wanted to withdraw. And for him, I felt like it was an audacious moment to just start talking to me and bless me with encouragements while we're peeing, you know? What does it look like, LBCF, for us to just try and to not hold back and be cool with not looking weird, you know? Let's just go for it. And when it comes down to the subject of looking weird, well, the world knows we're going to be weird, you know? When when the world already said to the disciples, man, these guys look drunk. When we pray for healing, when somebody says I'm injured, I'm hurt, 
and we and they said, can you pray for me? And we go for it. It's going to be weird. But you know what? The success of whatever we say has nothing to do with us. And even with the words that I'm preaching today or or, you know, times that I, I want to give an encouragement. You should see me in church on Sundays. Oftentimes I feel compelled to give encouragements, but I don't say it because I don't want to bother people, you know. Or when at the end of a lot of the messages, our messages, often, you know, Pastor Ryan will say, hey, let's gather one another and let's pray. And I always think, please don't ask the leaders to get up and pray, because then I would have to go and jump out and be vulnerable. Right. And I think then I process through. I don't know what the right words are. What if what if what if. So what would our church look like if we were willing to step out um, and, and to let go? I'd like to, to end with a pause, and then and we'll transition and continue in worship um, with communion. Um, and right now, I just want uh, to pause and re-recognize the presence of the Spirit. And uh, one thought that I had during this time, I think it would be awesome. We often ask, uh, ask our community to, to go to somebody and pray for them. But if you feel compelled to ask for prayer, go, to, go up to somebody and ask them to pray for you. And if you're asked, you're going to be stuck to... Decide on how you're going to respond. <laughs> and that's up to you. Anything goes. But I just encourage you to respond to what the Spirit's doing, just as we read about in Pentecost. Let's let the Holy Spirit do its thing, and let's let the kingdom come here in Long Beach through our community and all churches here in Long Beach. So I'm going to pray, and we'll pause for a few moments, and, and, and Pastor Ryan will lead us through uh, communion. Jesus Help us to let go of control and help us let, to let go of power. There's nothing wrong with going up to, to coming to you. There's nothing wrong with coming to you, Jesus, and saying we don't know how to do this and we don't have the power within ourselves. And there's everything right with the idea that you are fully the power that's in us. You have given us authority. And as you continue us as a community, and continue us down our journey, wherever you're leading us as a community. Lord, I pray that we would, be com- we would fall completely in touch with our identity in you. We're your people. And so what does that mean, Lord? And we don't live according to the ways of the world. We live according to the ways of the kingdom, of heaven. And we want to see heaven here on earth. So, Lord, give us your vision. Give us your heart. Help us to fall in love with your vision. And remind us day in, day out, how you love us. How deeply you're crazy about even the people we don't get along with. And that everyone we interact with, you are already at work doing kingdom work. Lord, use us. We're available. We're available to you. Amen.